0: To the Mental Health Boot Camp Podcast. Woo-hoo. This is the podcast where three Canadian psychotherapists, fourth psychotherapist altogether, three of us Canadian, one of us American, serve you cutting edge mental health knowledge. I am Dr. Ryan House, a clinical psychologist from Pasadena, California.
1: I'm Dr. Brooke Lewis, a registered clinical counselor from the Greater Vancouver area.
2: I'm Chris Boyd, psychotherapist from Coquitlam.
1: And I'm Joanna. I'm not Joanna. Yeah, Joanna's yeah. not with us today.
2: He had us fooled there. He had yeah. us fooled.
0: He did have us fooled. Sounded a lot like Joanna, Chris's sister, who is not with us today. She's doing other important business, but. Uh, the trio here, we can take care of this. We can handle this, I'm
1: sure. Show. Yeah, Joanna might be away for a few weeks for all the Joanna fans. She is taking a, a course on the evenings that we record this. So yeah, we will be yeah. back, but it might be a little while.
2: It'd be a, a six-week hiatus. Yeah. Six, is it It'd six be, weeks? Six or seven weeks, yeah.
1: Seven weeks, but today is the first of the seven, so. All right.
0: So yeah. next week, we start the auditions for Who's the Next Joanna. we going to kick her off the island and find someone else for the spot, right?
1: Sure. That would sure. be like a really random podcast interviewing Joanna replacements.
0: That'd be great. That, I think that would be riveting listening, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. Esther Perel.
0: Oh. Edith Eger. Brene Brown. I said. Joe Cortz. Oh, Joe Quartz.
1: Oh, good old
0: Joe! Yeah, be a lot of options.
1: Thomas Birdspell.
0: Oh, Thomas! Oh, Thomas. <laughs> well, <laughs> so you guys been doing okay? Everything okay in Canada?
1: Yeah, indeed. Yeah.
0: Anything interesting you did this week? Anything I don't know? Active?
2: No, <laughs> <Christopher>? no. <Nope, nope. laughs> uh, wearing a t-shirt for those watching our. Uh, youtube channel for a 5k run that brooke and i actually did last saturday so it's called uh it's for the terminator foundation based out of uh alberta and they help those who are dealing with substance use and addiction they support them with uh training and running a triathlon or completing a triathlon <clears throat> Um, so the, they have these 5k dashes or 5k runs, uh, across Canada now, just for awareness and a bit of fundraising. So mm-hmm. some friends of ours are putting it on or supporting the whole initiative. So we thought we'd go check it out. He's had the first one here in Vancouver.
1: Yeah. it was a, a perfect day for it. It wasn't too anything like it was yeah. a little cloudy, a little sunny. The day before was monsoon rains. We hit like rain records on Friday. So I think everyone was a little nervous for Saturday morning, but. Worked out yeah. well, very, very well. Um, the park we were running in had another group there that were doing time trials for like track. And oh, those okay. guys were like intense. Yeah.
2: I, I think it was cross country, but I think cross country's come a long way since I tried yeah. cross country many, many, many years ago. But they were like sprinting through the park. So coming towards us in the same trail.
1: Like so wow. fast. Yeah. So incredible. Like these people were athletes very like i just you didn't expect to see it like on a in a just this random park in the middle of the suburbs on a saturday morning uh, um i felt like they needed like a bell or a horn or something you know, like i'm coming yeah. they, were flying. they were flying through Lucky there
2: was no collisions my goodness yeah ah uh, yes
0: those cross-country runners getting faster and faster well, it sounds like it was for a great cause, and uh, and I think it's really interesting, you know, for these kids, um, not just saying don't do drugs, but saying do triathlons instead, you know, here's train for this, you know, make it a goal, get your endorphins going this way.
2: I think it's really a cool idea. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. It's hard kind work of and
2: determination, yeah. Go ahead, Brooke.
1: Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, uh, reiterate, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but yeah, just being able to help them as well focus on how to take care of of your body right so they're uh this foundation offers like coaching they hook them up with physiotherapy i think massage therapy maybe even dietitian. so like they're really teaching them about their body about health about overcoming things and um endurance strength it's amazing it's it's quite interesting
0: sounds great i love the sound of it
1: Yeah, so check them out. Terminator Foundation out of Alberta, Canada.
0: There you go. All of our international listeners. Here you go to know what is going on in Alberta and all across Canada, I suppose, Canada wide. It's really cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, One little plug I want to make right now, which is this Saturday is National Psychotherapy Day
1: whoa
0: hey I'll, I'll say international psychotherapy day really because it's it's worldwide so international psychotherapy day and the whole point of psychotherapy day is to kind of demystify psychotherapy make it more accessible and and all we're asking people to do this year is just if you've been in therapy tell someone about it hey i've been in therapy here's what here's what helped, or You know, here's what I liked about it, here's what I didn't like, or I've been to therapy a few times, just if I think if just if people who have gone could just talk about it a little more openly, I think it would really do a lot to decrease any sort of a stigma about therapy, because I think a lot more people have gone than talk about it so.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, so. That that's something you can do any day, but we've just established one day because why not, why not have one day where we focus on this stuff so.
1: That's a great call to action, Ryan. Thank you. Share my therapy experience with others, either verbally or through social media. Maybe I'll even send my therapist a card.
0: You could do that. You could do that, I suppose. You know, it wouldn't hurt.
1: She wouldn't be expecting it, that's for sure.
0: There we go. Well... I think we should just go ahead and do the uh, yeah the topic for the night, right? I mean, let's Stuart do it. Not going to join us, so
1: okay, Ryan, it's you.
0: It is me. It's me. It's my topic. I'm going to share it with you guys. I think we can have some fun with this. Are you scared? Yeah. You're scared because you're not really I'm sure what it is, right? I don't know.
1: Apprehensive. I'm pretty apprehensive.
0: Okay, well, apprehensive, that's fine here. We can handle that emotion. All right, I'm sending it to myself. Ready? Here we go. What are the classic defense mechanisms? Why do we have them? And what can we do about them? Are defense mechanisms always bad?
1: Hi, Steve. Who are you? Nice to see you.
3: I was just playing Missile Command, and then I ended up here. I don't know what happened.
2: <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Chris. Hey,
0: everybody. This is my my good friend, uh, Dr. Stephen Simpson, who is a uh, professor, full professor of psychology at Fuller Graduate School of Psychology in Pasadena, California. He's been there for. Decades now. He, <laughs> uh, he, well, I mean, been there as a student and then been there as a as a professor for a long, long time. He's a fixture yes. of the slaves. um <laughs> <laughs> it's true.
3: Like, uh, I'm a, like I'm a statue or a piece of furniture or a
0: fancy lamp.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he is the author of four books, oh. all critically oh. acclaimed. One of them he let me tag on, so that was kind of nice of him. And uh, and just a heck of a guy, and also happens to know a lot about defense mechanisms. So
3: good to have Dr. Stephen Simpson. Let's give him a round of applause.
1: Welcome.
3: Thanks for thanks for allowing me to drop in. i like yeah, so we
1: appreciate about that. having you.
3: Thank you. So we're going to talk about those those defense mechanisms. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's that's what I thought we'd talk about. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you guys, Chris, maybe Brooke, maybe you'd rather talk about it. We can just leave Steve out of it. What do you think?
1: Oh, no, I don't think so. I think we should loop Steve in. Yeah.
3: Okay.
0: All right.
1: Absolutely. We should loop him in. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. you, <laughs> would, well, you, wanna, you wouldn't want to compartmentalize me or anything like
2: that.
1: No. <laughs> you not want to do
2: that. No. Or overanalyze it or avoid this conversation. Yes. There we go. Right. <laughs> uh
0: i'll just i'll just throw out there also that steve is uh he's not only a professor he teaches a lot of classes there but one of the one of the main areas he focuses on is is psychodynamic psychotherapy so oh great this, this is where the concept of uh of the defense mechanisms came from freud actually came up with them in the first place and and right. depending on who you ask there may be 10 defense mechanisms there may be 25 they're all over the place so Steve, what can you tell us about this stuff? I don't I don't expect well, a lecture, but I'm just curious.
3: Okay. Uh, I'll try and I'll try and keep my full lecture under wraps, but <laughs> um it's you know I'm I was actually thinking um psychotherapy day is coming up, right? International Psychotherapy Day is coming up and and where the mission is to kind of make psychology feel more accessible i i like talking about defense mechanisms in a way that makes them seem a little less weird um and just because there's a lot of psychoanalysis especially with the language that that gets used a lot of the time it's you know very big words they can be a mouthful a lot of it can make psychoanalysis seem almost a little little cult-like when really it's actually based on it's based on a lot of science and a lot of scientific thought. And so understanding something like how a defense mechanism fits in with that, it, it can actually help people in a weird way. And I'll get to this, but it's like, can help empathy, um, that kind of thing. Um, I could keep going. Please do. <laughs> okay. You have the stage, man. Go for it. So I think this is a good way maybe to to lead into it. Um, so I was reading an article About it was for a health magazine about defense mechanisms, and they and I I had a pretty big problem with it. It was fine and kind of generally, you know, defining the different um, different defense mechanisms, but they kept using the word choose repeatedly. Um, The person, you know, will choose to remove emotion during intellectualization. The person will choose to take out their feelings on their spouse after they have a hard day at work. And that's a real misrepresentation of what defense mechanisms are because they're not choices. They're actually, they're, they're survival reflexes that basically defend the human animal from the threats of a civilized society. <laughs> um, and yeah, so they're they're actually more like reflexes. So let me, let me give you an example, um, denial just part of the most, one of the most fundamental, most common, everybody knows what it is, right? Well, when, you know, we were animals or apes or whatever, once upon a time, um, we had a fight or flight mechanism that would, when we were in danger, we'd follow. So we would either attack something that was threatening us or we would run away. Well, once we started farming and sitting down for jobs and all that stuff like that, the, we can't really can't really do that anymore. So let's say I am a 2-year-old and my father is an alcoholic and he's got explosive anger. Well, I can't run away. I certainly can't fight him. What do I do? My brain because my little little, you know, 2-year-old brain can't can't handle the intensity of what happens it cooks up this sort of thing, a defense mechanism to, to create a wall between the horror of what I go through and, and, you know, everyday reality. So you can plot me down in front of the television and come ask me, you know, how are you, honey? And I'll be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And the thing, here's the thing though, I'll really feel fine. I'll actually think that I am fine. Um, And so these things are actually survival skills that we develop as kids. And then the, the problems that we run into is that they, you know, when we're older and we're not in literal emotional danger anymore, uh, those survival mechanisms don't serve us as well, you know? So if, if my wife comes to me and says, you know, I feel like we need to work on our communication, or we're not spending enough time together, then I will, I, it's possible that in this scenario, you know, someone who went through what I just described would would genuinely respond with things are fine i don't understand you know i don't understand what you're talking about just because it's this old kind of coping mechanism that i don't want to say learned um more like they experienced more like an an instinct um i'll say this wrap up my little spiel here Uh, freud one of the things that doesn't get talked about with freud a lot is that he was incredibly influenced by darwin everybody around the turn of the the 19th 20th century was hugely influenced by darwin and so the idea of preservation of the species species through survival you know survival of the fittest is something that was very interesting to freud i i actually got lucky and on a a trip for for fuller um to london i got to drop by uh freud's last home in london and he's he's got um you can see in his office the books and the artifacts he has. He was very interested in anthropology, but also very interested in biology uh, as well and survival. So, really, defenses and these things that actually can make up our personality is a lot of times stuff that we just use to get by at one point. Um, and of course, the bigger the trauma, the bigger the defense, and the harder it is going to be to remove. So, what's what's a big defense versus a little defense then if you're talking about
0: you know trauma that's a good question
3: yeah i would say i probably should have said um flexible versus rigid Okay. You know, um, if you know if your parents were as, as we sometimes say in psychodynamic therapy good enough um you'll still have defenses you might still have a little denial everybody has a little repression in fact defenses are something that we have to use um we actually develop mature healthy defenses so for example um if you've ever flown on an airplane and been able to stop thinking about the fact that you're flying in a speeding metal death tube really high above the earth you know driven by a couple guys that. Who knows what they're like? You've never met them before, but you're trusting them. What you're doing is you're actually using some denial to shut all those possibilities out of your brain. That's how we can drive. That's how we can do all of this stuff. So that we need healthy defense mechanisms, but those tend to be more flexible. You know we don't have them all the time. What people that that and not everybody, of course, but some often people who have experienced trauma will have very much more rigid, consistent defense mechanisms.
2: Nice. Yeah, you should work for uh, the marketing campaign for American Airlines. Yeah, nice <laughs> you bring up a good point, though. Is the these defense mechanisms like um, I find that within the context of maybe a person's past or what they experienced in regard to the trauma, defense mechanism actually made a lot of sense It probably helped them survive that time yes. in their lives, right?
3: It's, that's absolutely it. It's. Yeah. And it, it's something that they, Then this is, so this is what I try to explain to my clients. Um, and I'll often explain this in a co- context of couples therapy too, to help one person sort of understand why, uh, you know, their partner has some infuriating personality traits or behaviors or something like that. It's just understanding there was a time, you know, this defense and mechanism, there was a time in your life where you needed this. There's a time in your life where this was a good thing for you you know, it's so we don't have to hate it. (laughs) You know, we don't have to act like, oh boy, am I crazy or whatever. It's like, no, this is a thing that you you just don't need it anymore. And it's, you're kind of tripping over it now. And how do we correct that? Think about that. I love talking about these things in couples therapy because it can really, it can go from just like you're being fill in the blank to, oh, I get it now. You know? So,
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Uh, just want to
0: clarify, sometimes when I bring up the idea of defensive mechanisms to clients, they're like, what do you mean I'm not being defensive, right? There's yes. kind of the the terms kind of get interwoven, you know? Yes. And and someone's saying, you know, so if I go to, to Chris and I say, hey, Chris, you know, that shirt looks ugly. And you say, screw you, buddy. I don't, you know, I don't care what you think. That might be being defensive or something like that, right? that's not a defense mechanism right
2: yeah for sure
0: or if i say hey chris you uh you know you should have picked me up at the bus stop at uh four o'clock and where were you and you're like i didn't even know about that bus stop you know that's defensiveness
3: yeah it is defensiveness and it's defensiveness happens when i think when we feel like we're in trouble you know and we just have the sense of yeah okay i have to defend myself here defense mechanisms are more of a reflex you know, ah. the,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. the spend, They're
0: more like, automatic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK. What and and I love your you did a great job of defining kind of why that happens. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think it is that we're really defending against? Like what's what what's the, what are the consequences of not defending ourselves?
3: Right. Right. Well, it depends on you know, in the whole field of psychoanalysis, depends on who you ask. But I'll I'll try and give I'll tell you what I think in kind of a general, I think perspective on it that most people would agree with. Um, we're defending against ourselves, um, just specifically defending against certain emotions that either would be too difficult to experience, or we fear they'd be overwhelming, or um we're defending against doing something that would be unacceptable otherwise you know and that's when it kind of gets back to the fight or flight thing like sports is an interesting example so uh, there's a defense mechanism one of the the healthy defense mechanism the famous healthy defense mechanism mechanism is sublimation it's so it's basically i'm you know, I've been through my analysis and now I'm conscious of these defense mechanisms. And so what they're doing is they're actually protecting me from rage. They're protecting me from desires that might be impolite, um, that kind of thing. So I need to go express them somewhere else. So Freud would talk about things like creativity, you know, like in, and that's you know, creativity or different things that were outlets for it. Um, it was interesting. He talked about sports as sublimation for our, our rage and our anger. Um, but he also talked about um, how sometimes um, and this just made me think about some moments from my childhood. He said the sublimation can actually break down and the real feeling punches through the actual like feeling punches through. And I just thought about all the times on the, you know, the football field or, or whatever, when kids were getting fights, you know, and mm-hmm. things like that but yeah. So it's, it's really defending and get back to your questions. It's defending against us doing things that there's a part, there's another part of our brain that says you're going to get in a lot of trouble. If you do that, you know, mm-hmm. got it.
0: Sure. Sure. Okay. Defending against our own emotions, our own, uh, you know, the, the, the negative feelings. I mean, it's it's classic human nature to seek pleasure and avoid pain and there's something painful that we're trying to avoid at those moments not choosing to but but we're reflexively avoiding it
3: right right and this this doesn't mean and I mean I can imagine some people going well you know we have no control over our behavior it doesn't mean you don't take responsibility at some point Mm -hmm. um you do but it's it's just I think it's really important to point out that there is so much about human nature and human behavior that's not a conscious choice, you know, that it's stuff that once we become aware of it, we can try to control it sometimes. <laughs> um, but I, I just think that would promote a lot more empathy.
2: Yeah. yeah. I heard, uh, I heard that the unconscious or implicit mind is a million times more powerful than the conscious mind. So there's so much going on under the surface that we're not aware of for sure. Right. Right. When I think of defense mechanisms, though, I think of the, the fear jumps out at me. Yes. I think we experience so much fear. And I think that's often a driving force as well for initiating these defense mechanisms. Right. We well, go. Freud
3: Freud said that our anxiety is is basic anxiety is, is a kind of warning that some that your defense mechanisms are starting to fail that basically something that you've you've been able to to keep locked up is about to pop out
2: yeah
3: i don't know if i i don't agree i think there can be a lot of sources for anxiety um you know but but i think there's something to that that's interesting
2: yeah indeed that is a good point
0: well uh steve you did a good job of of talking about a couple of these but i just think it's fun to go through go through them in general here um (laughs) so I've made a little, little list here. Now again, I said before that, you know, depending on where you look, there could be a longer list. I have these that are kind of recognized as kind of a general top 10, top 10 defense mechanisms here. Uh, okay. then I I've listed a few others that, uh, that are also, also mentioned, but I thought we might go through these. So you mentioned denial already. Um, denial being when it's just sort of, out of your consciousness um you know just, you're you know oh we're not having any problems in our relationship or um no i am fine everything's okay and you're just really kind of pushing
3: all of the the stress of that away right right and things things just won't pop up on your radar mm-hmm. yeah you just you'll just yeah deny and this can apply to feelings too like you just won't experience certain emotions sure. and and you then you become surprised when that causes a problem, you know, in at work or in relationships or something like that, you know. Certainly, denial is a big one. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the list and trying to suppress my 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 own instincts, my dad joke instincts, because I'm just trying, to, you know, <laughs> thinking of all these these stupid jokes I can make. So I'm gonna have to try and suppress that.
1: I want to know, Ryan, is there significance to the fact you chose red?
0: Um. I just didn't want to do basic black. Red was the first color. Uh, maybe there's another reason. I don't know.
1: I'm just you
0: know. Gosh, Brooke,
1: I'm just that's curious cool. there.
3: Ryan, you had a you had a surprised look on your face, or uh, I don't know. I did. Yes, you're going like that.
0: I was going. Uh, well, she was asking. Yeah, she was asking. Gosh, did I have something going on? I I didn't. I don't think I had a particular meaning to it, but I'm open to interpretation.
3: Uh, I, uh, yeah, I thought you were going to say something about humor because I was talking about stupid jokes. But
0: oh well, I would like no. I was, I was saying this, but, you know, dad jokes are are certainly welcome here. I don't have any problem with that. Um, projection. This is one that's used really a lot uh, in kind of common speak these days, but I'm not sure that everyone understands exactly
3: what it means. Can you shed some light on it, Steve? It's just, you know, having thoughts or feelings about another person that may make you uncomfortable. And then so what you do is you you sort of you project those feelings, you misattribute them, you know, to another person. Uh, Let me let me say that again. I don't think I said it super well. Um, You know, if I if I'm angry about something, but I can't allow those feelings into my consciousness, um, I might become very, you know, sensitive to other people's uh anger and you know be like oh why are you so angry why are you so angry when really i'm i'm not what i'm not doing is dealing with my own anger Mm -hmm. yes yeah or even other feelings right i've heard people you know
0: someone walks into the office and says oh you look really tired today and the person's like what are you talking (laughs) about Fine, you know you're the one that's tired you know or um or a big one is uh you know you're cheating <laughs> you're cheating on <laughs> me, or you're cheating on this thing. Well, sometimes that's a that's a projection. That's that's the the accuser who's actually cheating, right?
3: Yeah, or, or even if they're not cheating, they're they might have some repressed desires. Ooh,
0: yeah, a wish, a wish, yeah. Yes. Yes. impulse.
3: Yeah, but they're not dealing with it. You know, they're not aware of it, and so yeah, they project that on to onto their their partner.
0: Certainly. Displacement's one of my favorites.
3: Yeah, that's a good one. This Why is, is it your favorite? Go ahead.
0: I don't know. There's just so many good examples of this. You know, this is this is the uh, the example I use all the time is kicking the dog, right? You're 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 mad at your your boss at work and you come home and kick the dog. The dog didn't do anything wrong,
1: mm-hmm. but you're just
0: placing that because it feels too scary to confront the boss, perhaps. So you go mm-hmm. home and kick the dog. Or it's just it's just putting any of that, any of those feelings onto something that's different. Um, right. uh, actually playing, you know, the, the band playing, uh, music on, on the sinking Titanic or rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic is an example of the placement.
3: I, I had a very difficult couple session, um, one, one afternoon. And I actually, I actually had to, to stand up and get between them. And in the moment I was very, very calm. I like, I didn't feel upset you know, I was completely fine. Um, and then I went home and yelled at my kids, um, for not having done the dishes. Like I asked, and I was aware of just feeling super irritable. And now I didn't make any connection. Like I'm mad, I'm going to take it out on them. I was just like, you know, boom. And then immediately I'm like, Oh, there it is. I just, I just placed my, I just placed my, my, you know, whatever I felt fear or anger on my kids. It was anger. (laughs)
1: So I could see how people would get projection and displacement a little bit mixed up. Yeah. Because it's it's taking like something is then being expressed on, on something that isn't the actual thing. Right. That was really poorly said, but um, so projection would be more, what would you consider that projection would be more desires or wishes versus displacement is more emotion
3: yeah this I mean I think projection would probably have more to do with misattribution and like you know saying that the feelings I don't allow myself I'm saying this person has those feelings sure. um sure. whereas displacement is I have a, is more I have a feeling towards something and I can't let it out toward thing, that person, so I'm going to let it out towards somebody else. I think that's probably the difference, but these are, a lot of these are very similar, and I think, I think that's just because they have similar functions, and they're all ultimately the same thing.
1: They're all emotional regulation in some way, right? It's how did you protect yourself and emotion throughout your life, really? Yeah. Okay. Very
0: true. Uh, Dissociation which is an interesting one because you know, there are dissociative disorders, uh, but this is just a a defense mechanism of dissociation.
3: uh, I'll tell you a good, a a sad, um, but effective example. You'll hear a lot of times people that experience, that have gone through some kind of abuse will describe dissociating in the moment. And it's basically, it's basically your brain's way of checking. This is one function of it. it is che- of checking out so you don't have to experience what's going on. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, somebody will focus, you know, on a candle or a window or something like that, that takes them out of the experience. And then mm-hmm. that that kind of carries with them, you know, so it's possible that people will just kind of check out and seem completely disengaged. But yeah, it's dissociation is um, a very intense defense mechanism. It's, yeah, it's kind of a heavy hitter mm-hmm. defense mechanism.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, um, the concept of dissociation is becoming more mainstream. So I'm hearing for myself, 14, 15 year old clients coming in saying, oh, I'm dissociating all the time. I'm experiencing dissociation or depersonalization. And I'm like, wow, when I was 14, I did not know those words. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah.
3: That is, you know, I, I've actually, I didn't realize it until right now, but I've, I've experienced the same thing where, yeah, where the like the, the adolescents are coming in talking about dissociation, which I didn't know what dissociation was when I was a teenager. I don't know if they invented dissociation. I didn't know if dissociation existed when I was a teenager, but anyway.
0: I don't think I knew what it was when I started graduate school. No. Yeah, that person just zoning out. No, I mean I had an idea, but but certainly have a better idea of it now. But certainly dissociation, is just any time of just kind of drifting away, and 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 some clients become very aware of it and can even. I, I've had clients in the past who've been able to tell me, "Oh, I'm sorry, uh, you know, that was distressing stuff. I was dissociating for a minute. What were we talking about?" Like, can actually be semi-aware of it and uh, and own that in that way right yeah yeah so yes oftentimes associated with pretty pretty massive trauma and i mean i think this is even taught to some uh military folks if you know in case of yeah. being caught trapped and tortured oh, yeah, tortured. yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't go go in your mind somewhere else so that you're not
3: you know in your body feeling that pain and that yeah and that's that's exactly well that's that's interesting because that's yeah that's exactly what dissociation does it just it tries to get you away from the pain exactly and so and then you know and the the extreme conclusion of that is dissociative identity disorder multiple personality disorder where you know the dissociation results in these full other like protective selves you know or different kind of selves but that's like That's like seven podcasts
2: right there talking about (laughs) dissociation. Great point. Great point. It's multiple podcasts. So, what are you doing next week? What are you? What are you up to? (laughs)
0: Yeah, we got a few weeks. to Okay. Uh, Intellectualization.
3: What? What might that be? That that's way more common than dissociation. Um, It's basically, and it's something we do all the time. Um, it's, it's thinking about something from a purely intellectual, cognitive, it, it's, it's taking emotion out of the equation. Um, when you're, you're thinking about something, talking about something or more you know, most commonly engaging with someone, um, you just kind of take emotion out of it. And again, yeah, this yes. is one of these things that can be adaptive in some situations, you know, there's a Star Trek episode where, uh, data, turns off his emotion chip, you know, when they're about to do something scary. And Picard says, you don't know how many times I envy you being able to do that because there, there are times where not feeling things is actually important. The problem is, is that if you can't get past the intellectualization when it's time to feel things, it'll it'll just, it'll make your life less rich.
0: Mm. Mm. That's a good one, good, ex- good explanation there. That's excellent. Thanks. I think anytime, you know, when I'm talking with a client about something, you know, say something from their past. Oh, so you were abused by your parents. You know, let's talk about that. And they, they launch into a very, you know, descriptive, uh, you know, big three syllable word sort of a thing. Um, and that's fine. You know, that's what, that's where they're starting. That's fine. But I know that that's intellectualization at, at, at play, you know, it's, they're really accessing some some complex thoughts rather than letting themselves get into the emotion of it. Yeah, and uh, and I, I sure that's sure. it's like a step removed. I'm talking about it, but I'm not really in it because I'm I'm able to describe it like a like a poet would.
3: You know. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I should mention, and actually, you know, since we're having this discussion with some Canadian colleagues, uh, something that's made me think of. Um, expression of these defenses and the degree to which something is defense or not can also be very culturally relative, you know? And so like expression of emotion in particular, that's, that's such a culturally relative, you know, dynamic behavior that how people express emotion, the intensity, of the emotion, you know, and obviously stuff like humor, that kind of thing. So it's one thing that I have to remember as a white boy who grew up in Kentucky in the United States um i i have to remember you know my sense of what's normative you know related to to everything first of all but other defense mechanisms is really comes from one place and so i i just kind of have to always remember you know somebody in a different place from a different culture they're going to engage with emotion differently and so i think i think that's for all of us who work in mental health that's something we have to we have to remember i'm getting a little preachy might be time to just send me out of here i don't know you're
0: doing, you're doing great. It's a great point, Steve.
2: <laughs> no, no, great. very good point. Yeah, especially as the uh, as the stigma around uh, receiving therapy improves. I think there's more maybe folks from different cultural backgrounds more open yeah. to entering the process. So you have to be very aware of that. I know up here, I think down uh, down south too, obviously very culturally diverse. So it's kind of a constant... Um. um focus is, is, trying to re-educate yourself or try to understand those, those differences. Right. Yeah, so you don't absolutely. pathologize it. Right.
3: Uh-huh.
2: Yes. Yeah. Um, Go ahead.
0: something that, that gosh, it was a long, it was a long time ago, Brooke, we were talking about some difference between Canadians and, and Americans. And you said something about how Canadians are, uh, friendly. No, they're polite, but not friendly. Was that what it was? Something like that.
1: Yeah. Sorry. My uh my dishwasher might make this the a little song telling me that it's over. Okay. Just a little heads up to the listeners. If you hear a lovely little chime song, that's what's going on. But um yeah, no, more so Vancouverites specifically. Like it, this it, it doesn't happen everywhere in Canada, but Vancouver is that way. Yeah. We're polite, but we're not friendly. We'll hold the door for you, we'll make some small talk in line. Um, we're not gonna invite you over for dinner. <laughs> we're not gonna sit with you and drink the coffee. Yeah. We're except for you two. Oh. Yeah. Like, but we will say hi and chit chat and, and whatnot. Yeah.
0: Uh see, that's that's a definite I mean, in in the difference is in LA we just won't talk to you in the first place. So <laughs> that's it. We're not even gonna it's try to.
1: It's amazing that we're here, Ryan, the fact that an American and a Canadian somehow figured that out together, all the four of us or three of us.
0: We won't talk to you unless it looks like you might be interested in our screenplay. That's when we might talk to you.
1: Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you're the only one else awake in, in that moment, right?
0: Yes. I yes. Don't know. Steve, great point about, about cultural differences. I think you're absolutely... Yeah.
1: yeah. Just on this intellectualization one as well, it's it's interesting because as I'm pondering that one, part of what we do in regulating emotions, I mean, is name it to tame it, right? We provide some education, we provide some language, we, you know, so it's such a fine balance as what I'm reflecting on between uh, helping someone get in their body and feel their emotion, uh, but also for somebody who's emotionally flooded, to be able to access this other part of the brain that is act, that is able to intellectualize what's going on, to put it in some sort of framework or schema, so that that emotion is no longer scary. So, what right. a fine balance that we need to create for people.
3: It is, and it's and it's an ongoing project. That's that's the other thing is that that I think the the idea that someday you're going to arrive and not have to not have to pay attention to your feelings anymore that never happens because <laughs> you know you go through different phases of life and your defenses and your emotions get expressed differently
1: so that would be like saying oh you're gonna get to a stage where you no longer have to pay attention to your bladder <laughs> that's just that's just not gonna happen you're gonna have to pay attention to to your body signals and you're yeah. gonna have to learn how yeah. to take care of them right and and you need to know what to do with them
3: right think freud would be right there with that yes <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay let's jump to reaction formation one of my favorite defense mechanisms not enough personally but i think that's one that's an interesting one
1: it's so interesting so go ahead
3: my time is or ryan do you want to take this one since it's your since it's your favorite no man you go ahead all right all right all right um, reaction formation is basically when you develop a feeling that is the opposite of the unconscious repressed feeling. Um, so uh, let's say that I have got sexual desires that I'm really, you know, my, my defense mechanisms are afraid that if they get out, I'll do and say things that, that will get me in trouble or, or you know, I'll go crazy. With lust or something like that. So what do I do? I become very, very conservative. I become very modest. I become very critical of anything that I perceive as immodest, you know, or erotic or anything like that. And and there is evidence that of of what I have just described, like all over the place, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So and I mean whether we're talking about the. The television preacher who is very very critical of you know sexual things the media and things like that and find out this person's up to their own hanky panky and that kind of thing so we we see it a lot but yes
0: yes it's presenting a real uh a, a, you know it's a reaction formation you're forming a, a reaction to what you've deemed to be a uh an unacceptable urge or feeling right
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it can lead to a lot more deviancy or issues as you move forward. It's almost like you're, you're stuffing those you know, those mm-hmm. thoughts uh, and trying to avoid them completely. And then it turns into a, a way bigger issue as a result.
3: Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's, that's the case. A lot of this stuff is, it, you know, as long as it festers and grows, it's, you know, I mean, it, it allows it to fester and grow if you don't. If you don't look at the feelings directly
0: absolutely absolutely um repression repression is an interesting one it has a little overlap perhaps with denial but there's a kind of a interesting story with repression too right
3: yes repression is basically when your unconscious says this feeling is not servicing; it's not getting out you know whether it's a desire um, or a fear, that kind of thing. It's just saying, you know, we're, we are absolutely going to pretend like this feeling isn't here, which might be all well and good. In fact, there are times when it is well and good. Repression is, um, Freud would say depression is a defense mechanism everybody shares because we have to have it in order to live with each other in any kind of, you know, civilized society. Um, otherwise, we wouldn't behave ourselves. And, and so Freud, it's interesting, Freud doesn't think defense mechanisms in and of themselves are always bad, because in order for people to live together and get freud was far, is far more conservative than he's often portrayed in the media. He was for people behaving themselves and being law abiding and doing things for the greater good, you know, and not just expressing all of our desires willy nilly. Um, and repression is an example of something we all share. We all need. It can become a problem when fundamental emotions that are necessary for relationships, that are necessary to enjoy life, get repressed. You know. And I mean, there's no way around it. Freud's Freud's uh, Freud talked about repression the most in terms of sexuality and sexual desire. So, repression yeah. is there to keep make us keep our clothes on (laughs) to bury the
0: urge to not let it uh, take over right exactly um is this is this in the same category as repressed memories uh or is that a whole different mechanism do you think
3: i mean i i think it no it's it's there's 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 a lot of overlap i mean the repressed memories and repressed memory syndrome that that whole discussion comes yeah. With its own set of issues and and so forth. But there, but I mean, yeah, there is such a thing as a repressed memory. There is stuff that your brain just goes, you know what? <laughs> nope. We're not gonna catalog this one. It's too too awful, at least not in a way that you can easily reach it. So yeah. sure, sure. And again, it's just an example of how we get, you know, we we survive, um, especially when we're more in a more fragile state as children, you know.
0: Yeah um Steve and I, just for just for funsies here, I'll say that Steve and I were actually roommates for three years in the '90s, and Steve has a, uh, a just a steel trap of a memory of of some of the antics we were up to back then. And there are times when Steve will bring up something and say, "Hey, remember the time we did this?" And I'm like, "What? We did what?"
3: <laughs> are you are are you sure that's repression, or that could be something else?
0: yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's repression or what but uh but as far as cataloging all the memories
3: we don't always catalog every one of them um well yeah and, and this gets into the subject of memory though which is that's that's a whole other sure. bag of cats and that kind of thing how we remember things but yeah I my kids um my kids are 16 now and I was talking to my son the other day about something that something pretty scary that happened to him on 4th of July once. Um, and he hadn't, and it, he wasn't that young. He was probably seven or eight, and he had no memory of it whatsoever, you know? So, yeah, it's, it's
2: interesting the way our brain tries to protect us. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, is uh, it extreme fear? They shut down the hippocampus there, impact memory formation, as well as extreme uh, alcoholism. So I don't know what was going on back there in college, but uh, I'm very curious. There's just a lot going on back then. It was a crazy day.
1: <laughs> Sounds like there was a lot of scary things, Chris. Yeah, and, a lot of scary. You know, intellectualizing, you can. Yes.
0: <laughs> so the the final three here are actually what. Uh, what had been categorized as the most mature defense mechanisms, and we already mentioned one of them sublimation. But as far as, um, you know, maturity, meaning like there are these maybe things that you're even a little bit aware of doing um, in order to uh, to protect yourself from some negative emotions and and some of these things we even as as therapists even will try to teach and encourage people to do and maybe in conversation. Right uh, or, you know, conversation with a spouse or with a coworker or something like that, you got something negative going. on, maybe add a little humor is the next one we're talking about. Right. So humor as a defense mechanism is, is pretty interesting.
3: I think so. I, I think it's, it's debatable, the maturity level of it. Um, it, I think it depends. Cause I think humor can also be a way, um, a defense mechanism against aggression. Absolutely. To, you know, yeah um you joke about something that actually you know you're that, you know i mean we've all either been a part of or seen a joke that, that had maybe a little bit more of an edge to it than it needed just to be funny um so it can be some expression of rejection but also humor yes can can lighten things up and it's something that uh victor frankl and his logo therapy love to use humor you know to to, to just basically help regulate and manage feelings that can seem other, you know, too big otherwise. You're, you're among friends here, Steve, mentioning
0: Victor Frankl. Chris, yeah. Chris here talks about Victor <laughs> every other podcast. So oh, I that.
2: yes. Yeah. Amazing. Um but even like humor in a general sense, like there's a lot of comedians out there. Who are dealing with a lot of significant mental health issues that come come forward with some of those concerns. Um Yeah, so it's like a bit of a persona there, right? Right. It doesn't quite depict or capture what's going on with that individual.
3: Right. I want somebody to to write a book about comedians and mental health. Uh, I'll be the first person to buy it. Cause that's just it's always something. It's something I've always been curious about, but have never kind of the motivation to really look into it deeply myself but that's yes it does just someone that that there, there's just so many things psychologically that could be and i love stand-up comedy um this isn't a criticism at all it's just we someone that does that for a living and and it's this way of being vulnerable without being vulnerable at all and still being in control you know it's just so interesting yeah
0: when i was yeah. When I was in uh, in training many many years ago, and and working with a psychoanalyst actually, and I had a client referred to me who was was a comedian, and this this psychoanalyst had been in practice for you know sixty years or something like that, and uh, and he said, I've never met a comedian who wasn't seething with anger. (laughs) Anger, anger, yeah. Uh, This being you know humor being this way to. To deal with maybe some of that anger, or, or manage it somehow, mm-hmm. or sublimate it, which is the next one we talked about a little bit earlier. Yes, sublimation being finding a more kind of constructive, socially acceptable way to express uh, an urge or an impulse, right? Mm-hmm. So, one of the one of the common examples for that is you know someone who feels like they they need to destroy something, or you know uh blow things up, well they become a, a demolition expert uh, for construction companies or someone who feels an urge to cut people up or dogs up or something like that and they become a surgeon or a vet mm-hmm. uh, or someone who feels like they really you know almost have a death wish they want to push the limits and so they become a race car driver or something like that. So just this kind of socially acceptable way to, to gratify some of these urges, that may not be acceptable in other contexts.
3: Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you an interesting uh, example of this: um, video games, violent video games in particular. The research is actually very interesting in its inconsistency, because what they find is that do with some people, yes, like some studies will show that there are a certain group of people that will be more violent if they play violent video games, but another group of people that tends to be a little larger, um, there's no association between aggression or not, but they'll report, they'll report it leave, relieving stress and anxiety and that kind of thing. So this makes me, and you know, this is not a plug for video games as, you know, your mental health, um, you know, coping resource necessarily, but, but it's also not telling you not to do it either that makes sense
2: I've, I've mentioned on this podcast before i play minecraft a couple times a week yeah i've uh, created uh some hotels and spas and on a really busy day i'll head down to one of my spas and hang out that's awesome beautiful yeah. spots but now uh, it is uh leonard sachs um uh, the book boys of drift has some interesting things to say about video gaming as well. Mm-hmm. yeah it's uh interesting or fascinating isn't it i just yeah. feel the research can never really catch up to how quickly these things are evolving.
3: Wow. Yeah. yeah minecraft is man minecraft's got minecraft is like the sublimation machine because you can do everything you can do anything you want in there and just you know, be so creative and it's pretty amazing you can I, kill I just,
0: zombies you can you can 10, PM. <laughs> kill a lot of things if you want to but or you can build things
3: and be uh all healthy and creative It's good all right last one here suppression well, and suppression is not a defense mechanism. And here's why it, because it's conscious. Okay. So suppression is, is actually a place where you want to be, you want to be able to be aware that you have the feeling and make the conscious choice, basically what to do with it. So, and, and make a, as Freud would say, in psychoanalytic language, a mature choice. So, and it really gets back to what I think a lot of people in mental health, we just call emotional regulation now that's really what suppression is it's just that i see that i have this feeling i'm able to manage it i'm able to regulate it um and maybe maybe later on i'll express it more you know I might indulge it more but you know while i'm on the podcast with everybody i'm gonna i'm gonna hold my feelings in you know
0: ah okay and it includes awareness and and kind of self-control yeah. rather than being this automatic thing that uh must do okay
3: yeah. So suppression is not a bad thing. We, we all have to suppress now and then. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I talk about that sometimes with client, you know, that's suppression is something that helps society move. You know, I mean, if I, if I got pulled over for a ticket and I, and the and police officer's coming up and I really said some of the things I really wanted to, <laughs> that, that might not go so well. You have to suppress yourself sometimes, right. or, you know, people sitting in a big group of people at Church or somewhere else, you know, you kind of have to suppress some things sometimes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is uh, this is good stuff. I'll, I'll just mention a couple also rands just for the heck of it, because uh, a couple of these are, are, are kind of fun. One is uh, uh, conversion, right? The mm-hmm. old classic idea of conversion as a defense mechanism, which is interesting, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder, like, I find myself like when I'm talking to my students, saying this kind of thing a lot. But I wonder what Freud would think now, um, given you know how he described some things, but just some of the the research and science we have now. I, I'm kind of, the guy was a full on narcissist, but he would change his mind in the face of of you know what he considered good evidence. Yeah, and it's interesting, like there, there's some because like, he he thought you know. And that's how Freud got his start was working with people who had like famously glove paralysis. You know, you can't feel your hand, but that doesn't make sense because of the way your nerves are aligned in your arm, if you couldn't feel your hand, then you actually wouldn't be able to feel your arm either. So he knew it was completely psychological in nature. And so his theory then of course was that there were all these, that it was sexual repression. Um, and so, you know, like it would just manifest as physical symptoms um but i think um some of the, i did a little bit of my dissertation research on psychosomatic stuff and it's more i think it's more complicated <laughs> than, than that but yeah. yeah i could go on forever about this there's there's actually an, a theory that um freud was seeing so many defense mechanisms in his practice because it was a victorian era when everybody everything was just so locked down and repressed and nobody was expressing emotions and so there's just it's kind of been theorized that that maybe the the classic psychoanalytic symptoms and defense mechanisms really did show up more in that era than they would in a society now that maybe you know at least in the western world is more expressive and open you know
0: another another appeal for cultural sensitivity then right like yeah. right. maybe these things are showing up differently in different cultures
2: yeah Absolutely. i'm kind of curious like you know there, i guess there are some some main defense mechanisms that are well documented but when i think a defense mechanism it's an ever-expansing expansive term mm-hmm. um you know and, and sometimes there's you can have some fun with the client in regard to how they describe it right or, or how they depict it so for instance like the the build and blow or the the analysis paralysis or the lone wolf uh, yeah. or the robot or the jokester or the um you know i find that uh every time i meet a client sometimes there's like kind of unique ones that kind of pop up based on their unique or their experience you know so would you consider those i guess all defense mechanisms or do you see there's like a core set of them and then um yeah how would you i
3: i don't i think you know uh, i think that i think even freud would have acknowledged that that this was always developing and i think he would have been very open to the idea that we're constantly going to be kind of we're just because everybody is different and the everybody's different and the human psyche is so messy <laughs> you know and so i think it actually would be a little naive to say hey we've got just these defense mechanisms you know when people's brains and situations and cultures can can come up with new things all the time sure
0: I I totally agree. We agree. There's a lot of different ways to to skin that cat. Um, just one more I want to throw in there because it's it's seems like it's a later or it's a it's interesting one. It's undoing, right? This idea of undoing where um I see this in clients often. I see this as myself sometimes. Um, this is when you might do something, but then take it back basically you you create you know i might confront someone i might say brooke you know those earbuds look silly and then then take it back immediately and say oh but but if they're if you like them that's fine with me you know so there's this it's almost a fear of my own expression that i mitigate immediately and then draw it back and I've seen with many clients uh, in, working with assertiveness and trying to, to speak up and have a voice, how sometimes they they kind of dig their own grave in some ways. They may put themselves out there, but then they kind of pull it back immediately.
3: Right. Yeah. It's like undoing is like if something escapes and you're trying to put it big. Yeah. Like, like well, no, 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 no. I didn't mean that. That wasn't real. <laughs> just forget. Just don't pay attention to that. Yeah. You're a jerk. Oh, wait, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. That was
0: a joke, you know, something like that, where you just kind of shoot your own foot, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Always to protect yourself, right? Yep. Absolutely. So the original question had to do with, is uh, are defense mechanisms always bad, or can they be uh, helpful sometimes? And I think I think we're kind of answering that, but just to be more explicit about it, what's your final say there, doctor?
3: I agree with there's this some um, ego psychologist named Heinz Hartman. And one of the things that that I'm not an ego psychologist, but I've, I've kind of taken to heart just because I see it so often. And this applies to defense mechanism. It just applies to so much about human personality and psychology is seeing things as fundamentally neutral. Um, but then depending on each person's You know, psychology, each person's relationships, etc. The things just they work differently, you know, for different people. So there can be times, and there are a lot of defense mechanisms. I think that we most of us would agree, like regression, for example. That's not really a good one, Um, you know. But a lot of what's that?
0: Uh, Yeah, I I don't know that one. Why that one wasn't listed? But right, regression.
3: Yeah,
0: you know, like I'm just basically I'm going to kind of. Yeah, you're going to revert to an earlier state in life basically you know for some people it's like oh this is stressful i'm going to take a nap right
3: yeah this you know but actually i'm gonna i'm gonna actually argue with myself i'm just saying that i think that's actually a good example of one that can be it can go either way so um if uh you know it's time for me to take some responsibility in life and then all of a sudden i regress back into this helpless state that's not great but let's say that there are times where I need to not be as intellectual and maybe access a more childlike part of myself, Um, then regression can be okay. You know, and so it's, I've actually often thought about getting tattooed on the inside of my forearm right here in in like holy looking script. It depends, just ellipse. And then just every time my students answer a question, I'll just show my arm Um, because, because it really does. I think it just depends a lot of the time um on the person and on what's going on so true the typical shrink and ambi- the ambiguous answer to something it
2: depends
0: <laughs> but it does that's the thing is it does you know and and that's the challenge with and that's why it's hard for anyone to give any sort of broad statement in psychology you know oh depression is because of this or ptsd happens when this happens it always depends right yeah it's a very very relevant field here all right well guys any more questions for for dr simpson while we have him on
2: well that was great that was uh extremely informative yeah thanks for your time thank you
1: really appreciate that
2: well
3: thank you that, that means a lot seriously that that means a lot coming from y'all because um you guys are not only are you all bright and and insightful i mean i think anything that can just make mental health issues and treatment less intimidating for people more accessible and more fun i mean i mean i think talking about this stuff is fun and interesting and just you know and i think there's a that's that's true that's why one of the things i i joke about sometimes is that you know everybody has everybody's kind of um their own amateur armchair psychologist. You kind of have to be in the world, um, you know. So I, I think you guys are doing a great thing. It's
2: classic projection, eh? Classic projection. <laughs> no, yes. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's kind of fun, fun to come on here and uh, talk about all these topics. I think this is like episode number fifty-nine or something. Oh.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, Steve always a good friend of mine and uh you know we have we have a lot of history together and and i'm sure there are more of my repressed memories that you still recall that could probably be used to blackmail me so thank you so much for being on the podcast with us
3: sure thank you all chris brooke ryan thank you all so much for for having me absolutely Alright, so we'll sign off for now. That's it. Like and subscribe
0: on Apple, Google, Podbean, Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. Send your quick questions to infoblefootcamp.com unless you press that or Deny that. Visit us on Facebook or Instagram, tell a friend or two. And that's it for tonight. See later. How are you guys later.
3: we <laughs>